This morning we have another wonderful opportunity. I'd like to invite Pastor Tom Gardner up. He's been a pastor for over 40 years. He has mentored young and older leaders alike. And um, he's a faithful follower in the Foursquare movement. And uh, he's become a, a friend of mine, which is... So I appreciate you being here and thank you for sharing with us. And I just bless you in the Lord. Thank you, Tom. Thank you so much. Thank you. So will you indulge me? This is how I start. Would you join me in this prayer? So Father, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to respond. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I live my life by maxims, you know, these short little terse uh, statements. And uh, one of the things that is one of my maxims is if, if it isn't the good news, it's not the gospel. And so I have the uh, opportunity, uh, Joel said, hey, would you come, would you make a presentation about a passion of yours, which is about honoring God with our finances? So uh, lest you cover your heads and say, incoming, I want you to know something that, that, that God has a plan for your life, and it includes how to steward the resources that God has given to you. And it is not something that's negative, but it is something that's the good news. Let me tell you something. If my house was on fire and you live next door, I would certainly want you to come and say, hey, your house is on fire, and I know the way out. Now, uh, my beloved wife, who went to be with Jesus uh, last year, uh, she uh, was really amazing, and the, the voice of the Holy Spirit sounded an awful lot like her a lot of the time. And uh, so I just want you to know something that she said to me. She said, Tom, she said, you're willing to talk to people about anything. Why aren't you not being more aggressive in sharing the good news that God has for finances? And so that became a catalyst for me writing a book called Purses with Holes. And so I want to just say that's, that's the name of this talk is Purses with Holes. And so what's with the name? So uh, I want to turn, have you turn in your, your, either your physical Bible, which I have, I'm old school, or with your, with your phone. And I want you to look with me at Haggai chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. Haggai chapter 1, verses 5 through 6, I see it's also up on the screen. And he says this, this is, now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Now, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I'm just a tad bit OCD. And I have to check my keys. I have to check my phone a bazillion times. And uh, one of the things that I did to keep track of my keys is I put on it a long yellow-orange lanyard so I can just see at a distance anywhere in the room where it is. So I want you to know something that I'm always worried. Even though I know it's zipped up, I'm somehow worried it's going to fall out or it's going to fall through some imaginary hole. I want to talk to you about this amazing story that we have about how God has that plan. So I have two pivots this morning. And uh, it, I, it was the, the reason that I wrote the book. So as a pastor all these years, 
I would always get frustrated with the fact that I could never cover this amazing subject about God's plan for my finances or for the finances of the church. And so, you know, I would, I would have a series, but then somebody wouldn't be there. What about this? And what about that? So uh, basically, I, I let, went on this quest and I wrote this book called Purses with Holes. And uh, there's some physical copies here. And if you go on the Sunshine Hills website, it's also digitally free. And I just want you to know that the whole idea is about giving this and it's, it's there in its entirety. So I have two pivots, and I always said if I was going to write a book, I wanted to write a book on something that was uh, that I hadn't read before, or wasn't something that I just was plagiarizing, or just whatever. And so I began to wrestle with two pivots, and one of those pivots is it, I came to con- the conviction it is something that conquered me that that tithing is a principle and it is not a commandment. Now, that's kind of scary for people like me who we, are, we receive um, you know, a salary or a stipend because people like you are faithful to the Lord. We, in Foursquare, we don't have a, a diocese that's, you know, if you've been here 35 years, you get this much money, whatever. It all has to do. All of this happens, and Pastor Joel is here because people like you are faithful to God. But I want to just talk about it's a principle. We're going to unpack that. And I want to also say that tithing is not magic, but that it must be married to good stewardship. Now, people are funny. Have you noticed that? I'm funny. Well, I'm a little different. And, and it's amazing what, how people get offended. So I, I mentioned and I said, you know, I said that here in my wallet, I have enough credit that I could destroy myself financially. And it was really goofy because somebody came and says, what are you doing? Pro- you know, you, you know, you're just kind of bragging about how much money you can borrow. I says, oh, could you give me a break? Anyways, we're going to talk about it. So those are the two pivots. So I asked this question, and if you know me, I, I come at things from asking questions, uh, and I tried to follow it, Jesus. If you notice how often did Jesus, when he was introducing a subject, have you noticed that how often he would ask a question, or he would answer a question with a question. So here it is. Why aren't people taught about the view of handling money and resources? Now, once upon a time, that happened in families. Now, I grew up in heaven. I really did. I had two wonderful parents. And uh, this is the story of five-year-old Tommy. My dad could call me Tommy, but you can't. I'm Tom. Anyways, so... I'll never forget this. I, you know, I was five years old. My dad came into the in my bedroom and he pulled out a fifty cent piece. You know, they don't have. We don't usually have those anymore. They think they still mint them, but I don't see them. Who sees cash, anyways? So my dad came in and he gave me my first allowance was fifty cents. And he looked at me and he says, "Now, Tommy," he said, "This is your allowance, and this I want to teach you about how." To, to handle money, but I want you to know something that we here, we honor God, and so a nickel of that 50 cents belongs to Jesus. So I thought, that's a great deal. You mean I get 45 cents and I, I get a chance to give a nickel to Jesus? So let me tell you something. God did not need that little boy's nickel, but God did need that little boy's heart. 
And so I want you to know something. I'm coming 66, and from the time I was five, that's 51 years for those of you who need to know the math, that I have been faithful to the principle of tithing. And I want you to know something that God in all of those 51 years, that I want you to know something as I have honored God with the first fruits of what he has given into my hands, that God has fulfilled and he has met my needs beyond my wildest dreams. And if you didn't know this, that being in ministry is not the way to wealth in the natural. But I want you to know something, that it's the good news that God has a plan for you. Now, you might say, oh, man, you know, it's just going to get, we're going to get beat up. That's not my heart. But I want to just say to you is that I believe that it is the responsibility of people who stand in front of people like you, and we need to declare the whole good news. And why would we withhold this very, very important spiritual truth and its good news for those who will listen? Money is power in our society. It is spiritual. And if you don't understand what it means to mean money as being spiritual, here's what I'm saying is, is that bazillions of dollars are, are being zapped around the internet and in the sky. You know, like, I mean, you know, money transfers, interact, all of that stuff. And money is spiritual. And I want you to know something, that that's one of the reasons why Satan tries to twist the message of God's plan for your money. Here's what I say. If you want to know what's important to God, see what Satan attacks. Family, prayer, and stewardship. As we work our way through this, I want you to know that money is a tool. And it is a blessing when understood through the lens of Scripture. Now, uh, Jerry Cook, uh, we called him Uncle Jerry. He was a mentor to me. I, I, I was so blessed that, you know, and we called him Uncle Jerry. And I'll never forget Jerry. One of his favorite statements was, finish the verse. And 1 Timothy chapter 6.10 is one of the most misquoted and twisted verses in the entire scripture. And here's what people say, money is the root of all evil. It's not true. That's not what the Bible says. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And those who succumb to it are pierced with a thorn. So money is not evil. It is a tool. But as any tool, it needs to be utilized with skill and understanding. Now, I I was looking on the internet and and tools. I I have this thing called a a square. I don't know if any of you have them. And, you know, and I I use it, but there's this, there's these videos and says, oh, you can do all kinds of things. It walks, it talks, it does all kinds of things. And so I want you to know something that knowledge, spiritual knowledge is a tool and it is given so that we can correctly understand how to do what God is asking us to do. And Hebrews 13.5 cautions us to keep our lives free from the love of money. So here's the good news. God has a plan for your life, and it is all about the blessing of stewardship. Now, here's another truth. God is your source. Your source is not your job. Your source is not the government. Your, Your source is not your parents. Oh, did I say that out loud? Uh, And it is not any of those things. Our source is God, and it is certainly not yourself. Now, when we talk about money, how we handle money 
is a very great indicator to what we think is important and about what role God has in our life and what role we have. So um, I can tell you what's important to you. What do you, where do you spend your time, where you spend your money, and what you talk about. So you can say all you want that, you know, that with your, oh, I, you know, I really value my family. But if you're not spending time with your family, you think you're committed to your family. You're not. And when you talk about your money, where you spend your money. And so the reality is, and this all has to do with stewardship of putting God first, is that, that most of us, we will find ways to get what we want to the exclusion of other things. And what we talk about. Those are the things that really put us through. And so I want you to know something that stewardship is an act of worship. And worship is when we give homage and we acknowledge that there is God who is greater than us. I have lived long enough to regret when I have tried to do things on my own strength. Now, I want to introduce the word stewardship. It's not a word that we kick around much unless you go on cruises. You know, there's the steward, right? Now, I have not been on a cruise, but I understand that there's a steward. And the steward, it's very important, and this is the definition. A steward is not an owner. God owns everything. And if you forget everything else that I've said to you, that that is the beginning of all of this, that you own nothing. It is not your car. It is not your house. It is not your money. That everything that we have, the Bible says, belongs to Jesus. Now, when I borrow something, I don't own it. Uh, my dad really drilled this into me. I return what I have borrowed or been entrusted with. I return it at least in, as good as it was when I got it, if not better. So a steward is not an owner and God owns everything. Psalm 24 verse one says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Now, for those of you who are green people, we have done a horrible job in stewarding this creation that God entrusted into our care. God placed Adam and Eve in the garden and he, he didn't see, you don't own it. He, he just said this, I'm going to put you in charge and you are to steward this resource. So stewardship then uh, probably in our society would probably best be understood as more than a manager and it's a trustee. Now, again, I'm 66, and I'm now working for my, my children's and my estate. That, you know, I've lived more life than I'm going to live, and so what happens is when I am handling my finances, and I'm grateful for that, and like I said, God was faithful, Lottie and I, we, 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 we always honored God, and he always met our needs. And so now my responsibility is I am stewarding this resource that God has for me. And I want to pass it on. The Bible says that, that, that children don't lay up for their parents, but the parents lay up for the children. See, that idea of stewardship is the fact that we are trying, we are working for increase. And a steward is not a consumer. We live in a consumer society. 
if you, you, you'll use the right shampoo or the right deodorant or you wear the right clothes, you drive the right car, Tesla, uh, no, sorry. Um, all of those things, then somehow, you know, look at what I've got. So now I want to unpack this a bit. So tithing is a principle and not a commandment. Now it is always, well, I shouldn't say always, when I really begin to dig into this, it bothers me that pastors and preachers almost invariably go back to Malachi 3, 8 to 10. And they use that Old Testament scripture to, to this whole thing about it being a commandment. And so I want to ask you this. It, it concerns me because if I, as a New Testament believer that is saved by faith and not by the law, if I am to to honor this Old Testament, quote, commandment, what of the other 612 commandments in the Old Testament am I responsible for? And the problem is that, that when we look at this, that a principle is different than a commandment. Now, I want to just say, just as a proviso, I believe that it be, we're going to look at it. It's a, it's a principle. I'm going to say, I do believe in all the blessings, but the blessing doesn't come from this keeping of some commandment. The blessing comes because we begin to live our life in a way that God has ordained that he can bless. So I have all these people in my head. Uh, some of them are alive and some of them are with Jesus. And Ron Mel was another person who really made a big impact. And as you get older, the more, the more people that you know are now in heaven, that, you know, just people who've impacted you, maybe one day my squeaky little voice will be in your head. Yeah, there was this goofball that came, you know, on the, what is it, the 16th of October. And he talked about tithing. I'm hoping that this message will transcend what I'm talking about and that the Holy Spirit will quicken to you that God has a plan for your life and it's based on stewardship and not on fear and that not somehow God's going to thunderbolt you out of the heavens. But a principle is more powerful and more binding than a commandment because a commandment is external. If you don't do this, you will pay the consequences. You, it's, it's all about transaction. Do this, and then you'll do this. But I want to say to you that a, a principle is far more binding because it comes from the inside, and it comes from something that has conquered you. Now, let me tell you, like I said, from the time I was five, I want you to know something that I bought into this, you know, you know unless you become as a little child. And let me tell you that Lottie and I, we have always given our first fruits. We give our tithe before anything else because if you wait till you've done everything else, there won't be anything there. I can tell you, we were young pastors on the island and, and uh, again, we, you know, Lottie worked, um, at, you know, at Montreal Trust in, in Victoria, and I made a pittance, and, and you know, we, we're young and trying to sort all this out and whatever, and, and at the end of the year, I tallied up what we, what we brought in and what went out, and I want you to know something, that what went out was greater than what came in, and we were balanced, now, my dad says, well, were you being careless? I says, no, dad, we were just living life. I says, but God, honor, and I want you to know something, that are you putting your money and your resources in a purse with holes where you're grandizing yourself and you're doing all of these things, or are you putting God first with your money? 
Now, by the way, I have nothing in this other than the fact that I was invited to come and share my heart. It is something that has conquered me. And I want you to know that this principle is a principle of God. And when you do the things that God has asked you, that he honors it. We sang that, like he never lets us down. He's always with us. Now, I want to give you a quick, oh, there's one other thing. It's in yellow here. I better make sure I say it. We give out of conviction and not out of crises. So I have not seen the balance sheet of this church. But I know we've come through COVID and all of those things. And, and, and I appreciate the fact that Joel has invited me in to talk about this. That, so we always talk, try to do this at least twice a year when I was pastoring the church. Because I don't want to say, oh, we're falling behind. We're not making our budget. and Blah, 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 blah. No, we want to teach people how to live their life in a way that God can bless. That's the part I forgot about Ron Mel. He said, you know, I get scattered. You know, it's just with old age. But Ron said, if you want to be blessed, be blessable. Live your life in a way that gets blessed. So that tag up, that just goes to show I am scattered sometimes. So I want to give you a really quick, brief history of tithing. At its simplest, tithing is giving in honor of someone greater than yourself. And that's this whole issue of of this, we think we're, we're gods or we're at the center of our own universe. And let me tell you, you're not. And it's unfortunate, and I dug this out, it's an unfortunate translation of the original Greek in the New Testament, where the, the King James, which becomes very pervasive and influences a lot of the tr contemporary translations as well. But the Greek word is actually better rendered give than pay. So if you look in the old, it says, you know, you pay your tithe. No, you don't pay your tithe. That means it's a commandment. You give your tithes because you're understanding the fact that it is a principle. And when we honor God, God honors us. We see that, you know, people will say that, oh, well, it's all part of the Mosaic law and we've been set free. It's interesting that tithing began before Moses was even born. And so... The reality is the principle was put in place. So Abraham, when, when he met with Melchizedek, and uh, I don't know, you know, there's all kind of goofy things about, you know, he was the Holy Spirit, was Jesus, whatever. I just think that he was the guy that just understood something and it says, well, he had no, you know, lineage or whatever. That's because nobody remembered. It doesn't mean he's eternal. I think he was just somebody who understood God. And so he was the king of Salem. And Abraham, when, when, they, when they took the spoils, that he gave 10% in honor of Melchizedek, the king of righteousness. And then Jacob, you know, the, the schemer, the, you know, the conniver, the weasel, he, when, when God got a hold of him and he, you know, he saw Jacob's ladder and, you know, and, and he was beginning to run out of, of his own conniving. And he says, okay, I've met you. And from this day on, I will dedicate 10% of my increase to you. And God blessed him. So this isn't about paying the lights and all this wonderful technology here. This is about what are you doing? Are you putting God first in all that you have? We sang that song. That was awesome. I love that. I surrender all except this. That, that's off limits, God. No, 
you know, God wants to save this. Are you following me? Have I got anybody mad yet? Well, hang with me. I probably will. So then we see that Jesus, da-da-da-da, Jesus endorsed the principle of tithing. Well, what does Jesus know? <coughs> Everything. And basically what happens is, is that he was talking to the Pharisees and says, you guys, you know, you tithe on the mint and the cumin and then the smallest things. You do all of those things, but you don't, you haven't given God your heart. And then Jesus said this, this is the paraphrase, you, you should do all of those things and not neglecting the important things of honoring God first. And you can read this. So then the other thing is, is that he said, well, you know, came and what, you know, what do we do about tithing or taxes? And Jesus says, give to Caesar what is his and to God what belongs to him. You can underscore the word belongs. A steward is not an owner. A steward has been entrusted with the wealth and the resources of the master and works always for the increase. So we also see here too that, you know, and, and I've had lots of conversations and, you know, and, and people will say, well, you know, I give my tithe to charity or whatever. And they, they say, that's my tithe. And I say, um, that's not what the word of God says. So there's a place in Luke chapter 11, or sorry, 311, where Jesus said, if you have two coats, you know, give one to him in need. Now, I, I, I'm kind of, I, I don't want to be chippy here, but I, I had this conversation with the people in my first church and he says, he says, well, you know, I do that. And he says, you're no hero. You're giving that person God's coat. That doesn't cost you anything. doesn't belong to you. So the Bible says, if you have two coats, you give him one, you know, it's kind of like I'll come and beat up on somebody down here and says, Hey, look, you've got two coats. I'm going to take your coat and give it and feel good about the fact that I gave. Do you follow what I just said? Worship is always about sacrifice. Always. And David said, I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. So if you read about you know, Malachi 3, 8 to 10, it says, you're robbing me with your tithes and your offerings. A tithe is, is, is what belongs to God. The offering is what you give out of sacrifice. Why do we give? We give out of love. We give out of faith. Can I really demonstrate tangibly that God really is faithful to what he asks us to do? By faith. And you know, there are times where sometimes he says, okay, God, by faith, I don't know how this is all going to work out, but I want you to know from the time I was a little boy, God has supplied my needs. And I want you to know God doesn't love me more than he loves you. Ultimately, what it is we give because we are putting God first in our life. Why do we give? And then giving, again, if you, if you look at, in 1 Timothy 3, 17 to 19, that Paul is giving instruction to people who have, and again, this is a paraphrase because I only had 30 minutes and I don't know where I am. Okay, um, that 
but he says, and instruct those who have, this is the TG paraphrase, that they have for reason so that they can give and they can be a blessing to others. Now, I'll tell you, one of the persons who used to come to this church is now in one of the other four square churches. They moved out from this area. I'll never forget this. He came, I was in, at the Kingsway Church and I was in Christian service for gay and I was a lieutenant. We had all these boys. And so this particular person who was part of this church, an integral part of the founding of this church, that he came and he's a businessman. And, and so he was talking. And so he had all these kids in, in front of him and says, who here, who here is willing to give Jesus a dollar? And so a couple of kids, they, you know, they, they had, you know, some, and then they, they did. And he, then he went on about how you can outgive God. And he, what he did is he, he said that he was going to, he was saving money to build a racquetball court. You know, remember we used to play that, not pickleball, racquetball. And, and he was, he was saving up. And just about the time that he would have enough money to build this racquetball court, God would say, okay, I want you to give that money away. And he did. I think he did it three times. Finally, the fourth time says, God says, okay, I know now that you're putting me first and now you can build your racquetball court. But here are those little boys who, see, so those of you who gave a dollar, I want you to come up. And for everybody who gave a dollar, he gave them $10. You think those little boys ever forgot that? So this is a good deal. If I came to you and says, I'm willing to give you $1,000 right now, I'll be at the door, which I can't do, by the way. And, and, all, and all I ask, I'm going to give you $1,000. All I ask you is, is to give $100 back to God. What would you do? He says, yeah, sign me up. Right? Sign me up. So what happens instead of, oh, I'm giving, I'm paying this, what happens is, is that God has entrusted his wealth to you, and all he asks is 10% to remind you that it doesn't belong to you, but the 90% goes further than the 100% because you're not putting your resources in purses with holes. Now, you're awful quiet. Are you okay? Are you? Oh, all right, all right. Well, you can, I'll, I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> what about 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so what happens is, is that part of this is that, that love is, is not something you have to work hard at. When, when loving is hard, something's not right with your heart. And so when Lottie and I, you know, again, we had a wonderful marriage of 41 years and, you know, every marriage has its ups and downs. And all I remember saying is when, when being in a marriage, when it was hard, something was wrong with me, not her. You following what I'm trying to say? Because love gives freely. We want to give cheerfully. And then we also see too that in, in, you know, in 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19, he said that we've been given to, given to have, be a blessing. And there's the principle of sowing and reaping. And so if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. I grew up in an agricultural community and I remember the, the spring. And if you, don't, if you don't sow in the spring, you're not going to reap in, in the fall the harvest. Sowing and reaping. 30, 60, and 100 fold. Where does the tithe belong? And Joel didn't pay me to say this. The tithe belongs where you eat and are taken care of. So can you imagine... Uh, some of you are going to go out for lunch and you go to White Spot and you say, oh, by the way, I'm paying over at McDonald's because they need it more. 
doesn't belong to you. This is your storehouse. And you have been invited by God to participate with the furthering of his kingdom. So when you give, you are saying, God, I honor you. I'm putting you first. I'm trusting you. But thank you for the gift and the privilege of being able to cooperate and to participate in the good news of the gospel. And if you read about the Macedonian church, Paul, he commended him. He says that the, you know, the, some of the churches were stingy, but the Macedonian church, he says, they gave beyond what they were able to give. They begged for the, prop, for the privilege of being able to participate. But you know what? When you give sacrificially, God is a debtor to no one. And I will stand here as almost a 66-year-old, and I will tell you, this isn't something I read in a book, although I did. It is something that has conquered me, and it is a principle by which I have lived. And I want you to know that God has met my needs beyond anything I could possibly understand. Paul, I just read this in my personal devotions today where he said, he said, I have learned to be content in whatsoever circumstances. And just because you tithe, it doesn't mean that it's magic. And now I'm to point to, and then I'm just about done. Tithing isn't mad magic, but it must be married to good stewardship. We need to steward well. Now, just because you tithe does not make you immune to adversity. Your furnace has to be replaced. Your car wears out. You got to buy tires. You got all those things. It doesn't make, and that doesn't mean in the midst of all of these things, there were times where Lot and I, we honored God from our first roots. And there were other places where we had to say, no, we cannot do this. So let me, like, I don't want to offend anybody. Somebody came into our church and said, oh, God gave us this new house. And I said, I had, I said, oh, are you tithing? He says, no. I said, well, then God didn't give you the house. You did that, but that wasn't God. Well, what do you mean? And I said, here's the deal. And this is something I'm asking you. I said, Lottie and I, we put that first and we said, we don't say, um, if, we, if we do this, can we afford to tithe? We say, we tithe, can we afford to do this? So I want you to know that it's not magic. And, and there's a difference between a want and a need. And if you, in the book, I go into all that whole thing. But there's a difference between what I want and what I need. So Philippians 4, 19 says, And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now I'm at the application side. So now what? So what? Now what? Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to take inventory are you putting God first in all areas of your life? That's really where this whole thing starts. Money is, in it, money is a part of that. But we, we sang it this morning. You know, it was wonderful. I loved it. I surrender all. Oh, Jesus, you can't have that part. Well, that's where the problem is, Tom. Are you honoring God with your tithes? Are you a steward or are you a consumer? And will you trust God? Now, here's also something. So start somewhere and start now. Now, again, maybe you're a new believer. Maybe, you, maybe, maybe you're up to your eyeballs and over your head in debt. And here's this guy up there talking this morning and saying you got to honor God with your money. 
So here's what I want to say to you. Do you believe that God's word is true? And will you trust him? So here's something, and this is going to sound a little bit off the wall, but I've watched it. So basically, we had, a, we had I'm not pastor there anymore, but we had a very first generation church, and people hadn't been taught. So I made my decisions based on I tithe, and, and most people saying, I, well, how am I going to tithe? Because I'm already overcommitted. So start someplace. Start someplace. So don't say, I'll give what's left over. So, and if you're married, you and your wife, you need to get on, you need to pray about it. And then you say, okay, we're going to give a set amount. It's not out of what's left over, but we're going to give a set amount. So you can say, okay, we're going to give um, $100 a month this year. We're going to, no matter what else happens, we're going to do that. We're going to just trust God because God gives this opportunity to grow. Or say, I can't give 10%, but I can give 2%. And then see how God works. And I've had lots of people in our, in our congregation. So they started with 2%. And then they went to 5%. And, and then they would work it through. And then they were 10%. And then they come back and they say, oh, pastors, thank you so much for sharing this good news. And, and God has just shown up and done things in amazing ways. Start someplace. Start with proportionate giving. Work to get your spiritual and financial health in order. And I want you to know something that God will not disappoint you. I close with this. God doesn't need your money. He desires your heart so he can bless you and provide for your needs. So I see the worship team's getting in place. Would you just close your eyes with me? So I want to just pray a blessing for you. Thank you for being so gracious to allow me to just kind of shake the bushes a little bit. <laughs> Thank you. But I want to just pray. So Father, first in the name of Jesus and in the authority of Jesus' name, I stand against the enemy taking what has been said and using it as a weapon against these people. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that, that, that you would help the people in this room to be able to say, I don't understand it, and this is challenging for me, and this is frightening for me. But I pray that you would help them to consider what they've heard. And Father, I pray for the gift of faith in Jesus' name. The gift of faith for these people. I see lots of young people. There's never an opportunity to start sooner than now. Build your life on the principles of God and you will never be sorry. I pray, Father, for the gift of faith. And Lord, we pray, Father, that this house, that this church, this community, we pray would continue to be a lighthouse of your grace and your glory. And we are grateful that you will supply our needs in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.